Welcome to our weekly podcast. If you're a guest with us this weekend, I am so excited that you're here. I want to encourage you to check out our website, uh, specifically the Connection Central tab. You can learn more about who we are as Onalaska Church of Christ. Today, we're in the final week of our series, The Controversial Jesus. Over the past several weeks, we've been focusing in on some of the controversial things that Jesus said and did during his life and ministry here on earth. Now, while Jesus said and did a lot of things that seem controversial to the society in his day, and they certainly remain controversial in our society today, we've been reminded that everything that Jesus ever said or did was always good because he is perfectly good. If you've missed any one of the messages over the past few weeks, I want to remind you that you can always go back and listen to these messages through our weekly podcast, or you can watch our weekend service in its entirety through our YouTube channel. Today's message comes from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. So if you have a Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn to Luke 7, and then just hold your place. And we're going to read the entire passage, and then we'll go back and unpack what we read. But before we look at the content, I want to give you a little bit of context for what it is that we're going to read today. So written by a Gentile Christian doctor by the name of Luke, the Gospel of Luke gives readers an accurate account of the life and ministry of Jesus and presents Jesus as the Messiah, our perfect Savior. If we were to do an all-church study through the Gospel of Luke, and this is something that I'd like to do in the future for sure, but if we were to do an all-church study, we could break this book down into three main sections. First, we'd focus in on the birth and early life of Jesus. Basically, everything that happened in Jesus' life prior to his earthly ministry. Um, these stories, these accounts, are found in chapter 1 and go all the way through the middle of chapter 4. Then we'd focus in on the message and ministry of Jesus. So his ministry in Galilee, his ministry on the way to Jerusalem, and his ministry in Jerusalem. Uh, these stories, these accounts, begin in the middle of chapter 4 and go all the way through chapter 21. So this is the largest section of scripture in the Gospel of Luke. Finally, we'd focus in on the crucifixion, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, these accounts are found in chapters 22 through 24. So I think this is a fairly simple way to think about the Gospel of Luke, and it'd be a great way to study this book. The central message of the Gospel of Luke, uh, what we see in chapters 4 through 21, the central message is repentance and God's great grace and forgiveness for sinners. Uh, throughout these chapters, there are several stories that really stand out. In fact, the passage that we're going to read today is one of these stories. Luke chapter 7, 36 through 50, illustrates how Jesus extended kindness, grace, and forgiveness to a woman who was known by others as an immoral sinner. This is a story that I think many of you will be familiar with. And if you're anything like me, it's easy to allow familiarity to become an excuse in our lives to simply check out. But I want to encourage you, friends, to, to not do that today. I want to encourage you to read this story as if you were reading it for the very first time. And to hear God's word as if it were your first time hearing this passage. So I want to invite you to follow along with me as I read from Luke chapter 7, 36 through 50. 
one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, Who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. We know that Jesus was often invited into the homes of sinners, tax collectors, and even Pharisees like what we see here. You know, he wasn't afraid to go into the uncomfortable places because whether they realized it or not, these people needed God too. I love what Pastor Craig Groeschel says about ministering to people in uncomfortable places. He says, to reach people that no one is reaching, you have to do things that no one is doing. Man, I love this phrase. I love this quote. This was certainly the case in Jesus' life. He was willing to do anything short of sin to reach people with the good news. On this particular occasion... He was invited into the home of a Pharisee by the name of Simon. Now, we don't know if Simon's invitation was sincere or if he had some kind of ulterior motive, but if it was the latter, his plan definitely backfired. You see, Simon ended up learning more about himself that day than he really cared to know. So I'd like for us to read this controversial encounter from the perspective of all the people who are mentioned in this passage. First, we have the immoral woman. That's certainly how people in her town would have known her. But when we meet her, we see her as the repentant woman. So that's how we're going to refer to her today. Second, we have Simon the Pharisee. Again, that's how people would have viewed him. But when we see him, he's really the critical host. And finally, we have Jesus, the forgiving Savior. 
So first, let's read this controversial encounter from the perspective of the repentant woman. We see this in verses 36 through 38, and this is what we read. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Most of the homes in Jesus' day would have been open. So they didn't have windows like we have today, and the dining area or the banquet hall would have been easily accessible from the outside. If you were walking in the street, you could really see into the house. You could see the main part of the house. And because of this, the average person could just hover outside if they wanted to get a better look at what was happening inside. This might explain how this woman had access to Jesus. She wasn't invited to this dinner. She didn't receive an invitation. So it's likely that she simply heard their conversation in passing. It's important to remember that Jewish men, especially Jewish rabbis, didn't talk to or eat with women in public. This was considered improper. And we've actually talked about that a few times this year. But Jesus wasn't afraid to go against what was considered socially acceptable, especially when someone's eternal salvation was at stake. A woman like the one we're reading about today would not have been welcome in Simon the Pharisee's home. I think that's so important for us to understand. The New Living Translation, like what we're reading this morning, refers to her as an immoral woman. The NIV translation says that she lived a sinful life, and then the ESV, or the English Standard Version, simply says that she was a sinner. When we're introduced to this woman, the Bible doesn't give us a list of her sins. All right? It doesn't list the baggage that she carried around. Now, some commentary writers suggest that she may have been a prostitute, and I think there's good reason to uh, suggest that and maybe believe that. But regardless, we we do get the impression that she had a bad reputation in the town where she lived. Remember the verse that we shared last week from the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel chapter 16. I believe it was verse 7. We learned that people tend to judge others by outward appearance. Now, we don't need the Bible to tell us that, right? We we know that to be true. That's typically how we, we judge people. We judge people by what we can see on the outside. People judged her by what they could see. She was known in the community by her sin and by her mistakes. And she wasn't on the guest list that day. She decided to seek Jesus out anyway. I think this is such a bold step of faith on her part. By her seeking Jesus out, a number of things could have happened to her. She could have been imprisoned. The Pharisees wouldn't have thrown her in in jail, but they could have handed her over to the Roman government. She could have been stoned in the street. That's likely she wouldn't have been put to death for something like this, but she would have been beaten up pretty badly. Or at the very least, she could have been humiliated in front of a group of complete strangers. She didn't care, though. See, she was convinced that Jesus is the Messiah, and she was going to do whatever it took to get closer to him. When she came to meet Jesus, she brought with her an alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. These kinds of jars, they were typically handmade, very expensive and beautiful. And the perfume that was inside would have been so much more valuable than the jar itself. 
Why is this an important detail? Well, the Bible refers to her as an immoral woman or a sinful woman. In seeking Jesus out, bringing a jar filled with expensive perfume, kneeling behind his feet, weeping, washing his feet with her hair, kissing his feet, and putting perfume on them, she was admitting that she was a sinner. This encounter shows us that she not only recognized the sin in her life, but she was also a repentant sinner. A woman who'd been beaten down, battered, and bruised. Someone who would have been the example that many mothers in the town used to warn their daughters. So if they saw her passing by on the street, they would say, you know, you don't want to grow up to be like that. And someone who was shunned by the best people and used and abused by the absolute worst. She was laying her brokenness and her sin at the feet of Jesus. If we follow this encounter chronologically through the Gospels, we find that just before this event, Jesus had given this invitation in Matthew eleven twenty eight. I think this is so amazing. He said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Again, if we follow this encounter chronologically, these words from Jesus are, are what took place. This is what happened right before this dinner. Now, we don't know for sure, but you have to wonder if this is when the woman turned from her sin and trusted in Jesus as her Savior. Her tears, her humble attitude, and her gift in Luke 7 were all outward expressions of an inward change. God was working in her life. He was doing so in a big way. Let's continue reading about this controversial encounter, and let's do so from the perspective of Simon the Pharisee, or the critical host. We read his perspective in verses 39 through 43. This is what we read. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. When Simon saw how this woman was behaving in his home and what she was doing to Jesus' feet, he was embarrassed, both for himself and for his guests. Remember, for the Pharisees, it was all about image. Right? It's, it was all about how others viewed you. It was all about the authority that you had over other people as well. People had been saying that Jesus was this great prophet, and Simon wanted to see with his own eyes if the rumors were true. But from his perspective, Jesus wasn't showing prophetic characteristics because he allowed a sinful woman to anoint his feet. From where Simon was sitting, he saw Jesus as a fraud. I want you to see that the problem wasn't with Jesus, though. The real problem was with Simon's inability to see clearly. You see, Simon suffered from what we call spiritual blindness. I mean, sure, he could see all the things that were happening around him. He could see the food on the table. 
He could see the color of the clothes that his guests were wearing. And he could see what this woman was doing, but he couldn't see what God was doing. He couldn't see himself, the woman, or Jesus accurately. It was so easy for him to say, she's a sinner. She's an immoral woman. But he couldn't say, I'm also a sinner. Now, of course, he kept his thoughts to himself. He didn't say any of these things out loud. On the off chance that he was wrong about the woman or about Jesus, he didn't want to look like a fool in front of his friends. It was all about image. It was all about authority. Well, Jesus proved that he is the Messiah, and he did so by reading Simon's thoughts and by revealing his greatest need. He answered Simon's thoughts by telling a story or a parable. We know that a parable is an earthly story that Jesus told that has a heavenly meaning. This parable doesn't deal with the amount of sin in a person's life, but the awareness of that sin in his heart. Simon and the woman, they were both sinners. Simon was guilty of sins of the spirit, especially the sin of pride, while the woman was guilty of sins of the flesh. Her sins would have been publicly known, while Simon's sins were hidden to everyone except God. Simon wasn't able to recognize it, but he was just as spiritually bankrupt as the woman. He was just as in need of God's grace and forgiveness. God's grace and forgiveness is a free gift It's a free gift, friends, that's available to every person who puts their faith in Jesus. You know, the debt that we owe for our sin, and there is a debt that has to be paid. This debt was paid in full by Jesus on the cross. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. The woman accepted God's free gift of grace and expressed her faith openly, regardless of what other people thought. Simon, on the other hand, rejected that offer and remained unforgiven. He remained spiritually blind. He remained the critical host. Well, let's wrap up the message by reading about this controversial encounter from the perspective of Jesus, the forgiving Savior. We see this in verses 44 through 50. It says, Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she's washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she's anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who has forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, Who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I think it's obvious that Simon was a terrible host. He didn't provide water for Jesus to wash his feet. He invited Jesus to dinner just to question him in front of the other men at the table. 
And he gossiped with the other guests. This woman, on the other hand, she didn't even live there. But she ended up taking on the responsibilities of the host. I mean, she was thoughtful, caring, and compassionate. Now, there are two errors that I think we we must avoid when reading this part of the story. I'd like to share those with you. Number one, this woman was not saved by her tears. You know, she wasn't saved because she had an emotional experience. She wasn't saved because of the gifts that she brought Jesus or because of her works. Jesus made it very clear in verse 50 that it was her faith that saved her. Let me say that again. It was her faith that saved her. This is another great reminder for all of us that no amount of good works can save a person. The second error that we must avoid is this. This passage is not teaching that lost sinners are saved by love, either God's love for them or their love for God. Here's here's what I mean by that. John chapter 3, verse 16, probably the most well-known verse in the New Testament, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. For God so loved the world. So we know that God loves the world, yet the whole world is not saved. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The woman's tears, the gifts that she brought, and her works, these things didn't save her. They were simply evidence of her faith in Jesus. James chapter 2 reminds us that faith without works is dead. So if there wouldn't have been evidence, you could assume that her faith was dead, that it was non-existent. I think we can assume the same in our own lives. See, we're not saved by faith plus works. We're saved by grace through faith, and that faith leads to good works. Her actions made her faith complete, as James 2.24 tells us. So how did the woman know that her sins were forgiven? Well, Jesus told her in verse 48 when he said, your sins are forgiven. This is exactly what Jesus said to her. Did you know that you and I have this same assurance in Christ? We do. We have this same exact assurance when we know the Lord. Here are a few verses that I'll remind you about today um, that speak to this, this awesome truth. Acts chapter 13, 38 and 39, it says, Brothers, listen, we are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness of your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something the law of Moses could never do. Romans 4, 7 and 8 says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Psalm 103, verse 12, one of my favorite verses in the book of Psalms. It says, He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. You know, the legalistic critics at the dinner table, they were shocked when Jesus said, Her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. By saying this, Jesus was claiming to be God. Remember, the Bible teaches us that only God can forgive sin. We know that Jesus is God, that he died for the sins that this woman committed, and that he died for the sins that every person listening in today has committed. He died for our sins when he went to the cross in our place. So how was this woman saved? She repented of her sins, and she put her faith in Jesus. That's what Jesus is calling us to do if you haven't done that already. 
How did she know that she was truly forgiven? Well, she had the assurance of his word. Jesus told her. And friends, we have that same exact assurance today. What was the proof of her salvation? Well, in her case, in this particular situation, she had saving faith that produced good works for God. The last words that Jesus spoke to her during this this interaction were, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. For the first time in her life, she experienced peace with God, and she experienced the peace of God. The literal translation here, I love this, is go into peace. That's what Jesus was saying, go into peace. See, she was no longer an enemy of God. She could live the rest of her life having peace with God and experiencing the peace of God in her daily life. She was now a child of God who could enjoy a kind of peace that's only found in Jesus. Simon was blind to this woman and blind to himself. He could only see her sin. He could only see her past. But friends, Jesus saw her future. Her sin was certainly great, but the grace of God was greater. You have to wonder how many rejected sinners have found salvation through the testimony of this woman in Luke chapter 7. Her story encourages us to believe the truth that Jesus can take any sinner and make him or her a child of God. If you've never accepted God's free gift of grace and forgiveness, friends, today is the day. Today is the day to put your faith in Jesus and to be saved. The Apostle Paul wrote these words in 2 Corinthians 6, chapter 2. He said, For God says, At just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. If you want to learn more about God's plan of salvation and what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, um, today is the day. You can believe in Jesus. You can repent of your sins. You can confess that belief publicly and make the decision to be baptized into Christ, baptized into the family of God. I want to encourage you, if that's you, if you want to make a decision for Jesus today, I want to encourage you to get a hold of us through our email. I think listening to the podcast, that's the easiest way. Um, Go to occ.church at gmail.com. I want to encourage you to get a hold of us. If you have a prayer request, you can submit that uh, through our live service as well if you join us on the weekend. But remember these words. At just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation.